Good morning. Happy New Year to everybody. This is kind of that time of year, I think, when it's probably the most natural, most normal, uh, when we want to kind of maybe think about dumping bad habits or old habits that maybe haven't been helpful or they've been maybe somewhat destructive and we're kind of ready maybe to try something different, you know, whether it be you know, weight loss, relational um, changes to try to improve things. And it's, there's just really no other time of year, I think, where that feels more natural or we feel more inclined to do that than at the start of a new year. So uh, kind of uh, picking up on that, I kind of want to take a couple of weeks and I want to kind of just begin to talk about um, how to let go of maybe some of those uh, destructive, maybe difficult things, maybe things that have kind of caused relational uh, difficulties, uh, and, and be able to just kind of talk about how do we let go of that? And, and then what do we begin to do in place of that to kind of develop something that's more productive, something more healthy, something that is kind of more godly? And so today I want to kind of just talk about um, how to deal with bitterness. Now maybe it'd be a better day to kind of deal with bitter cold. Um, I know we've kind of, we were kind of wondering how many would uh, venture out in this today, and so we had a fair amount at first service, and we just thought, you know, man, we're going to probably have like two or three people at second service, but good for you. You uh, kind of unhibernated yourself and took the plunge into the cold and came out this morning, so we're glad to have you here. So I want to kind of just talk about um, bitterness. Now, just Curious, how many of you here this morning are bitter? You just want to raise your hand? Yeah. Well, let's just pray and we can go home. How's that? <laughs> Actually, um, what I, what I uh, kind of said first service, what I say to you here at second service is, I think part of this isn't maybe so much that you're dealing with bitterness as maybe you're kind of around maybe some bitter people, maybe coworkers who are bitter, maybe family members, whether they're distant or maybe even living under the same roof, that maybe are kind of trapped in dealing with bitterness. And so maybe this isn't so much for you this morning as maybe it might be for how to pray for, how to maybe encourage, um, how to kind of deal with someone maybe who is struggling um, with bitterness this morning. And, and again, you know, we, we have seen so much bitterness um, and anger uh, these last few months as we kind of look at incidences as they have unfolded in Ferguson, Missouri with the hands up, don't shoot. And then we kind of saw a, a similar um, event unfold in New York City with the I can't breathe. And then a couple of weeks ago, there was just that very tragic shooting uh, execution, really, of, of two New York uh, New York police officers, and interestingly, one of the gentlemen that was uh, killed in that, um, that very day, later in the day he was working, and then later that day he was to go and attend a ceremony at his church where he was going to graduate as a chaplain. He had uh, been in a program in his church to learn how to be a chaplain, and he wanted to be able to do that as a police officer to be able to kind of provide spiritual uh, guidance and support for other police officers. So he had taken uh, a course uh, to be a chaplain, and that uh, later that day he was to have gone to his church and graduated um, from that. And, and we also, you know, just kind of see um, how the New York City Police Department responded to the mayor, Bill de Blasio, uh, turning backs. And there's just has been a lot of bitterness and a lot of anger cultivated in that relationship. 
And so again, we kind of see, again, the fruit of bitterness um, in many, many events unfolding uh, around us uh, in our country. There's an old saying that says, bitterness will always eventually bite you back. And did you know a rattlesnake, if cornered, uh, can become so angry that it will begin to bite itself? And that is exactly what harboring bitterness has the potential to do is that we can begin to become so filled with bitterness that we are biting ourselves. We think we're harming others maybe with the bitterness that is within us, but again, the deeper harm uh, really is to ourselves. Bitterness is one of those things. It's like eating poison and then expecting the other person to die. So today I kind of want to just begin to look at um, the root and the fruit of bitterness and really how we can overcome bitterness. Now, Hebrews chapter 12, and again, the book of Hebrews is written, uh, if you read the book of Hebrews, you can kind of glean from the writings, this is really written to mature believers. I I mean, this is some pretty heavy-duty theology uh, being given there in Hebrews. And chapter 12, verse 15, kind of gives us a warning there. And it says, see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. I mean, bitterness is one of those things. It really has the potential to rob you of the peace of God operating in your life. I mean, it can really hinder um, you from receiving the fullness of God's grace. Now, that word bitterness there, it, it comes from the Greek word pikria, and it really refers to a person who has really become very caustic, they're cynical, they're sarcastic, they're hostile, they're resentful, they're someone who is very critical um, of other people. Uh, bitterness will manifest itself in a person's life, uh, and they'll just become very negative or unhappy. They're unforgiving people. They're extremely critical of others. Otto van Bismarck was the uh, chancellor of Germany uh, during World War I. And toward the end of his life, Bismarck kind of got mired down and he got bogged down in the quicksand of bitterness um, and he never really got out of it. As a matter of fact, one morning uh, he walked out of his bedroom and kind of announced to his whole household, I have spent the entire night hating. And again, that poison of bitterness eventually began to take a toll on his physical health. At one time, Bismarck even grew a beard to try to hide the twitching uh, muscles of his face. He eventually went on to kind of develop jaundice and gastric ulcers, gallstones, and soon shingles kind of really began to rack his body. When Bismarck was offered uh, an opportunity to write his memoirs, He began writing with such a reckless disregard for truth. And rather than um, telling stories, he began using the memoirs as an opportunity uh, to just spill out this poisonous venom of hatred and bitterness against men and women. Uh, Some of these had long died, and he used this as an opportunity uh, to just be very, very uh, bitter and and very uh, sarcastic, uh, very uh, angry. 
angry and, and just allowed all of these stories to spill out uh, in his memoirs. And eventually it really went on to really cause his health to deteriorate. And, and towards the end of his life, he was in such sickness and pain. And historians wrote that when he finally died, he died a very embittered, cynical, lonely, miserable, and self-consumed individual. Now it's interesting to me that, that Hebrews kind of describes bitterness as a root. And we all know that a root is something that, that kind of grows beneath the surface. It is invisible to the eye, but yet, nonetheless, it is still there. It is a deep root. Again, it's not far from the surface, but you'll know roots stretch down very far and very deep into the soil. And again, the same way happens with the root of bitterness. It's never really far from the surface of a person's lips, and it really has the potential over time left, you know, untreated, it will just begin to grow deeper and deeper into the soil of one's heart. Now again, the amazing and I think scary thing about bitterness is that it really takes very little soil. It needs very little cultivation. It is very quick to grow and it is very difficult to remove. It is easy to plant the seeds of bitterness. It's easy to get those roots of bitterness growing in us, but it is very, very difficult to weed out. Now, most people um, get bitter for one of these three reasons. First, because of what is done to us. The second most common cause of bitterness is what is said about us. And the third most common cause of bitterness is what is taken from us. Now, interestingly, Jesus kind of addresses all three of these issues in his Sermon on the Mount. So let's look at the first cause there concerning what is done to us. Jesus says there in Matthew 5, he says, You have heard the law of Moses, which says, If an eye is injured, injure the eye of the person who did it. If a tooth gets knocked out, knock out the tooth of the person who did it. Jesus says, But I say, don't resist or respond to an evil person. If you are slapped on the right cheek, Jesus says, Offer the other cheek too. And again, Jesus is emphasizing here, and the point he's making is, it's not so much what is done to you that's important to God, rather it is your response to what is done that is of critical importance to God. It's how you choose to react to what is done to you that really is of most important to God. Now concerning what is said about us. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, he says, God blesses you when you are mocked and persecuted and lied about because you are my followers. And then this is the hard part, I think, for us to wrap our minds around. Jesus says, but be happy about it. And in case we think that he was kidding, he kind of goes on and says, be very glad. Why? He says, well, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And he says, remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted too. 
All of us have been there. All of us have had things that have been said about us that were wrong, that were hurtful, that were lies, especially if it involves your faith in God. We've all been persecuted by family, by friends, by coworkers, people who don't understand what it is that you believe. We have all been there, and we're all going to probably be there again at some point. It just kind of goes with the territory. If you're a passionate follower of Jesus Christ, you are going to run into people who are going to mock you, people who are going to misunderstand you and malign you. And Jesus' solution to that is be happy about it. Be glad in it because there is a great reward And notice he says, in heaven, it it, it may not be any great reward here on the earth, but he said, in heaven, there is a great reward waiting. They did the same thing to Jesus. Jesus said, the world didn't love me. They're not going to love you. So again, we need to be prepared for it. We need to be aware of it so that when it happens, we don't allow the roots of bitterness to begin to take root in our heart. We know this is going to happen. We know our response to this needs to be. We need to be happy. We need to rejoice. We need to be glad in it because there is a reward waiting for me in heaven. Now concerning what is taken from us, the third cause there, Jesus said in Matthew 5.40, if you are ordered to court and your shirt is taken from you, give them your coat too. And the principle that Jesus is really trying to lay down and emphasize here for us is it is better to be wronged than to do wrong. When someone does you wrong, and again, it's going to happen sooner or later. We've all been wronged. We'll all be wronged again. You have one of two choices. You either get bitter or you just get better. Those are really the only two choices you have. And you have to decide what is your response going to be to this. When somebody does something to you, says something about you, or takes something from you, you have a choice in that moment. I am going to get bitter about this, or I am going to allow this to make me a better, stronger person. There's a saying which says, bitterness does more harm to the vessel in which it is stored than to the one on whom it is poured. The cause of your bitterness you, you may be exactly, you know, right. What they did to you isn't right. It wasn't fair. What they said about you was a complete lie. You may be absolutely right on. The cause of your bitterness may actually be rooted in an actual wrong, but you've got to understand you have the choice. And that is bitterness will never, ever, no matter how much bitterness you have, it will never, ever correct that mistake. It will never, ever punish the offender more than it punishes you. It really is always going to punish you much worse than the person that you're bitter toward. And again, that's why Hebrews 12, 15 warns us that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble. Because a bitter root is always going to produce bitter fruit. When it comes to bitterness, there is no passion of the human heart that promises so much and pays so little as bitterness. Now that we've kind of looked at, again, those three 
um, causes, most common causes of bitterness, I want to just kind of look at the trouble, the, the fruit of bitterness that, that will spring up is what uh, Hebrews uh, says there, springing up that will cause trouble. The first trouble you're going to find with dealing with bitterness is it just begins to saturate your mind. It's, it's, it's like somebody living rent-free in your mind. Somebody says something, does something, takes something from you, and, and where bitterness will begin to try to take root is that's all you think about. You just think about that person. You think about what they did, what they said, what they took, and it just begins to consume your thoughts. You become obsessed. It's all you can think about. It's all you can focus on. Oftentimes you're, you're thinking and, and you're trying to look for ways to get revenge, how to get back at them. So it, it just begins to saturate your mind. And what happens is as bitterness grows, as the roots go deeper into the soil of your heart, it will begin to take up more and more of your heart. Most of us are familiar with that weed creeping Charlie. I mean, it's just one of those things. It just kind of begins, a small little patch in the yard. And by golly, before you know it, it's taken over the whole yard. It just starts off small, and it just expands. It's the same way with bitterness. Bitterness can start off very, very small. But as that root goes into the heart, and, and as it just kind of begins to grow, pretty soon it just begins to take over your whole thought, your whole heart. Years ago, a brilliant doctor by the name of S.I. McMillan wrote a best-selling book, and it was called None of These Diseases. And again, if you think about disease, it, it, it really is the dis-ease. You know, you're, you're at ease, and all of a sudden you get sick, and, and now you are diseased. And And so he kind of talks in his book, None of These Diseases, and he points out destructive emotions, and he really zeroes in on this emotion of bitterness. And he talked about how that really can consume a person mentally and physically. And, and here's what he said concerning bitterness. He said, the moment I start hating a man, I become his slave. I can't enjoy my work anymore because he controls my thoughts. My resentments produce too many stress hormones in my body, and I become fatigued only after a few hours of work. He said, the man I hate hounds me wherever I go. I can't escape his tyrannical grasp on my mind. The man I hate may be many miles from my bedroom, but more cruel than any slave driver, he whips my thoughts into a frenzy that my inner spring mattress becomes a rack of torture. The lowest of the serfs can sleep, but not I. I really must acknowledge the fact that I am a slave to every man on whom I pour the vials of my wrath. Bitterness can make you like the lady who went to see her doctor for an examination. She felt terrible. Doctor got very serious and said, Madam, I hate to tell you this, but you've got rabies. With that, the woman took out a notebook and started making a list. The doctor asked her, what are you doing, making out your will? And the woman said, no, I'm making a list of every person I'm going to bite. That is bitterness. Second destructive fruit. First destructive root is it saturates your mind. You will become consumed and obsessed 
uh, with bitterness, with revenge. Second fruit of bitterness is it saddens the spirit. Bitterness, it's a depressant. If you look closely, you will find there are no happy, bitter people. It's an oxymoron. Cynicism, criticism, negativism, pessimism, those are the trademarks of a person who is bitter. Bitterness, it will depress you, it will sadden you, and you'll even get to the point where you can no longer even function normally. Edward Markham was a great poet, a Christian uh, man, and he had reached the age of retirement. When he got to the age of retirement, he came to discover that his investment banker had completely defrauded him out of all of his life savings. Instead of retiring to a life of ease as he planned, he was penniless and broke. This man, Markham, he became so bitter that he was no longer even able to write the simplest of poetry. He became so obsessed and driven by revenge and, and, and thinking of ways that he could try to even the score with this man. And one day in a very, very depressed funk, he was sitting at his desk with a pen and paper and all he could do was just doodle on the paper thinking about how this banker had stolen all of his money and what he would like to be able to do to get even with this man. And, and in that moment, he said the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, Markham, if you do not deal with this root of bitterness, it is going to destroy you. You cannot afford the price you are paying. You must forgive that man. And that great poet responded to the voice of the Holy Spirit and said, all right, Lord, I forgive that man freely and fully. I forgive him. And he said, as he spoke those words, he could literally feel the Holy Spirit begin to pull that root of bitterness out of him. And he said, in that moment, he could just begin to feel the, the joy of God's river begin to flow back into his heart. He said his, his mind became completely unshackled, and he said his pen became unloosed. And, and he sat there at that desk, and he wrote one of the greatest poems that he uh, was known for writing. It was a poem called Outwitted, and part of that poem said this, he drew a circle that shut me out, heretic, rebel, a thing to flout, but love and I had the wit to win. We drew a circle that took him in. Bitterness will cut. It will impede the flow of God's joy into your heart, mind, soul, and body until that is broken by the hammer of forgiveness. So first one is, um, fruit of bitterness is that it saturates the mind. Second one is it saddens the spirit. The third one is it sickens the body. God did not create the human body to be able to carry bitterness and grudges. Dr. McMillan, in the same book, kind of enumerated over 50 different diseases, ranging from ulcers to high blood pressure, that can be caused by an emotion such as bitterness. Um, now again, hear me, I'm not trying to imply here, and I'm not saying that every person um, that is sick is bitter, that every bitter person is sick, but I will tell you this, I believe eventually every bitter person 
if you don't deal with this, will ultimately at some point in your life, you're going to be affected physically. Remember the quote I gave you earlier, bitterness does more harm to the vessel in which it is stored than on the one to whom it is poured. Dr. Vincent uh, Peel, a great preacher, pastor, was preaching one Sunday, and after the service, a woman uh, approached him, and, and she said to him, I always itch. She said, I have an itch I cannot get rid of. And she said, the funny thing is, it itches the worst when I'm at church. What do you make of that? And he talked with her for a little while and uh, found out that uh, her physician was a very good friend of his. And so with her permission, he said, can I just kind of call and visit with your physician about this? And she said, absolutely. So he called and the doctor told him that he did examine her several times. He said, I can find nothing physically, organically uh, wrong with her. And he said, I just kind of have to, uh, concluded this is some kind of a neurosis or an obsession. And he kind of described it as an intermental eczema, a scratching on the inside that seemed to her to be scratching uh, on the skin or itching on the skin. And then the physician told Dr. Peel that one aspect of this woman's life that he knew of was there was a time where her and her sister were very, very close. And there came a very bitter split between them uh, when their father had died over uh, the inheritance of the estate. And he said they had a very, very bitter falling out. And he said a, a woman had told the doctor that, that she would never, ever speak to her sister um, again. And so when Dr. Peel went back to this woman and, and asked her about this relationship with her sister, this woman broke down and, and, and admitted uh, that, that she had a falling out years ago um, uh, over the uh, disposition of the proceeds from their father's estate. They had this tremendous falling out. And, and this woman had made up her mind. She said that she was never, ever going to speak to her sister again. And she said it dawned on her that at that moment that she made that decision is when she remembered that itch starting. And so uh, Dr. Peel led her in, in a prayer of, of forgiveness uh, toward her sister, you know, and just asking God to just take that root of bitterness that she had toward her sister uh, away. And, and so this woman uh, prayed that prayer, uh, went and, and called her sister, asked for her sister's forgiveness, um, and, and, and they made amends. And she said, in that instance as she hung up that phone, she said uh, to Dr. Peel, it was amazing. She said, that itch stopped and it's never itched again. Bitterness does more harm to the one in which it is stored than to the one on which it is poured. I mean, bitterness, it'll poison your worship you, you cannot pray with confidence and be filled with bitterness. You cannot praise freely and fully filled with bitterness. I mean, bitterness, it'll paralyze your work, and you cannot effectively, fully serve God the way he's calling you to do if you're filled with bitterness. It'll damage your witness. It will taint your testimony. So how do you uproot, how do we root out um, the root of bitterness. First, 
just forget the problem. Whatever caused the problem, the issue, the circumstance that brought bitterness into your life, you've got to put it behind you. This isn't easy. I've done this. We've all had to make a decision to just let it go, put it behind you, and move forward. Paul says in Ephesians 4.31, let all bitterness, all of it, bitterness and wrath and anger and clander and slammer and slander be put away from you along with all malice. This is your choice. You have got to choose to do this. I can't choose that for you. God can't choose that for you. You have to make that decision that you are determined. You are willing. You are wanting to put this behind you, to put this away. That phrase, put away, means to dispose of, to discard, to get rid of. You have to make that choice. If you're going to successfully remove bitterness, you have got to get rid of this get-even feeling from your heart. Benjamin Franklin wisely once said, doing an injury puts you below your enemy. Revenging one makes you even with him. Forgetting it sets you above him. Second thing that you got to do is forgive the person. If you don't, Hebrews 12, 15 says, you will come short of the grace of God. What that means is you won't live out your life according to the fullest measure of God's grace available to you. There is a measure of God's grace available to all of us, and you will fall short of that if there is a root of bitterness in you. In other words, you are falling short of God's grace goal for your life. And that is part of what God's grace is all about. Being forgiven for what you have done and forgiving others for what they have done to you. It's a two-way street. Now, you may be tempted to think, I just don't know if I can forgive this person. Well, believe me, you can, especially if you've ever been to Calvary. After Ephesians 4.31 comes verse 32, and there Paul says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. That's the key. You've got to forgive others, just as God has forgiven you. And, and if you refuse to forgive others, the scripture says you will not be forgiven. It's a two-way street. To be forgiven, we must forgive. Doesn't matter how badly you've been treated. No one has ever been treated more poorly, more horrendously than the Lord Jesus. I, I mean, Good Friday wasn't good to Jesus. But do you realize as he died Hanging there upon that cross, he looked out upon the faces of the men who had nailed him to that cross, who had beaten him, who had whipped him, who had pressed a crown of thorns upon his head, who lied about him. 
And as he hung there on that cross, if anyone had a right to be bitter and to be angry and to be unforgiving, it was Jesus. But he chose, as he looked out upon those men, and he said there in Luke 23, he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. If you cannot find forgiveness in your heart for that person toward who you are bitter, may I suggest you go to the foot of the cross and just hang out there for a while. Charles Spurgeon once said, let us go to Calvary to learn how we may be forgiven and let us linger there to learn how to forgive. You must forgive those who have wronged you whether they realize they have, whether they've even asked you. You don't need their permission to forgive them. You don't need them to acknowledge what they've done to forgive them. You can and you must forgive them fully and freely. You cannot just cut your bitterness in half. You've got to forgive that person completely, finally, and fully. Third thing we need to do to overcome bitterness is forsake the practice. It is not enough to just forgive and to forget. We have got to forsake. Stop doing the same dance over and over and over. Learn a new dance. Hebrews 12, 14 says, pursue peace with all men. Pursue and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. The word pursue, it means to go after it with an aggressive fashion. Be passionate in your pursuit of peace and holiness. That is, we are called as believers, we are called to take the initiative. We are called to take the first step in forgiving and in building and in restoring the relationships. Notice again, Hebrews 12, 15 says, see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that there be no bitter roots springing up, causing trouble. And catch this, and by it, many be defiled. Not only will bitterness cause you to fall short of the grace of God, and cause significant problems physically and mentally, emotionally and spiritually in you. But your bitterness has the potential to spill over and to affect the lives of other people. Other persons, especially unbelievers. People who are not Christians. When they see a bitter Christian, they are led to conclude that the Christian faith really isn't all that effective. They are led to think, if Christianity isn't a cure for bitterness, what is it a cure for? A bitter believer will only become a poor witness. How many husbands and wives carry the bitterness of their spouses because something was done to their spouse? It wasn't done to you. It was done to your spouse. But you act as if it was done to you. you. You take their offense upon yourself and you're bitter toward the person who has hurt them. I mean, how many children carry the bitterness of their parents or parents who carry the bitterness of their children? I mean, I've seen divorces where 
you know, again, uh, parents develop the same bitterness and anger and unforgiveness their son or their daughter has toward their ex-spouse. They, they've done nothing to the mother and the father, but this is my son, my daughter, you've hurt them. And we take on that offense and we become bitter and we become angry and, and, and unforgiving toward them, not because of what they've done to us, but because of what they've done to our children. How many of us are carrying that kind of bitterness? And again, unless we are careful and, and deal with our anger, our bitterness, our unforgiveness quickly without passing it on to others, other people, there's a potential that other people are going to be affected and defiled and polluted by your unresolved, undealt with bitterness. And that's why I believe it was so important when Jesus hung on that cross to look out and to freely and to fully forgive those who were responsible for putting him there. When Jesus met with his disciples, he, he knew what was going to happen. He knew his body was going to be broken by being nailed there on that cross. He knew his blood was going to be shed. And so before that physical act took place, he met with them and he said, this is my body. It's going to be broken for you. He said, every time you celebrate this, I want you to remember me and remember that I laid my life down. I allowed my body to be broken for you. There will come a time where your body will be broken, where you're going to have to lay down your life for others too. Remember my example. When he was finished, he took that cup and lifted it up and he gave thanks to God. And he said, drink from this, all of you. This is the blood of a new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Every time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. He knew that he was going to have to forgive those who had mocked, persecuted, and crucified him. And so he gives them this example. This is my blood spilled, poured out for you, for many, for the forgiveness of sin. Every time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. In just a moment, you're going to be given the opportunity to take communion. And before you do that this morning, I would ask you, are there people in your heart, are there people in your lives that you're harboring bitterness, anger, unforgiveness toward? Jesus said when, when we take this, that we need to be willing to forgive others as we have been forgiven. This is part of what this is all about. It's not just celebrating the fact that we have been forgiven, but we have been forgiven in such a way that we are able to now turn and just to begin to freely and to fully forgive others because of the richness, the fullness of our forgiveness with God. This is an opportunity, a, a, a new year, a, a clean slate. And maybe this morning, if there are, are people that you're just harboring, even if it's just a smidgen of anger or unforgiveness, bitterness toward, this is an opportunity for you just to be able to say, God, in order for me to receive the fullness of your forgiveness, God, I choose now to fully, freely forgive 
this, this person or these individuals. And then come and celebrate. As a matter of fact, Paul says, don't do this in an unworthy manner. Don't come full of bitterness and unforgiveness and celebrate the cup of forgiveness. He said, you're making a mockery of it. And he said, all you're doing in that is you're just eating and drinking damnation unto yourself. So he said, examine your heart and come and do this in a worthy manner as Jesus did, fully forgiving those who had wronged him. We have that opportunity today as we celebrate the goodness, the faithfulness, the forgiveness, the grace, the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, of God the Father. We have the privilege of coming and celebrating that we have been forgiven, that we have the glorious opportunity of forgiving others. And when we do that, we are able to fully celebrate what Jesus came to do in the breaking of his body and the shedding of his blood. Father, we just pray this morning. And God, you see all hearts. God, nothing is hidden from you. Father, I just pray, Lord, as we just take this time and we just come before you, that God, if there are individuals, if there's a person, that God, we maybe even just have just a smidgen, maybe that root of bitterness is, has just begun to grow, we may not even be fully aware of what's happening there. And, and yet, Father, you know, you see. God, I just pray, Lord, that you would gently and just, again, lovingly, God, that you would just come. God, that you would speak to us. God, that you would reveal that to our hearts. God, not to bring us to a place of condemnation, of guilt, of shame, but God, just to bring us to a place of conviction where, God, where we can make a choice in this, in this moment, God, to do as Jesus did, and to forgive fully and freely. So Father, I just ask, Lord, as you see into our hearts, God, you know us better than we know ourselves. God, if there's anyone, God, that we just need to release in forgiveness this morning, that God, this would be the time, this would be the place, this would be the moment where we just simply say, God, come, and just completely uproot that bitterness, the anger, the unforgiveness that's in my heart. And Father, we just thank you, Lord, because again, if we just pray, God, just ask, Lord, that you'll come. And God, you'll do what only you can do. And we just thank you for that, Lord. So just again, speak, move, minister to our hearts in this moment. And this we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So at the